0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Nice. amazing, amazing. Wow, who, just, who can stand in I could stay in worship forever. Seriously, that is phenomenal. Hey you guys, you may be seated. Welcome, so good to see you this morning. As Pastor Melissa said, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin, I'm part of the team here. Wow, it's good. It's so good to be in the house of God. I tell you, we need it, church. We need it. And all that life can bring us, we need church. We need each other. And so this morning, you know, it's, it's so good to be with you and really just to experience at the moment what God is doing in the life of this church, not only in church, but through this church, just touching people's lives, touching families' lives. You know, and I really believe God is a good God. When all is said and done, God is a good God and God is a faithful God, and I feel like we're entering into a season and we're experiencing a season now in church where God is beginning to answer prayer that has been sown right back at the beginning when we started C3 and USA. God is now beginning to, to answer those prayers that we prayed faithfully, and I feel like God is going to bring a shift in momentum in this place. God is preparing to do a new thing in this house. He's going to outpour His Spirit in greater capacity. And I think that if we would just remain faithful, and if we would just stay the course, and we would just keep running the race set before us, then I feel like God is going to just open the windows of heaven, and we as a church are going to experience God doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even dare to dream or pray for this church, amen? And so this month, as you, as you would have heard us speaking, we're, we're coming around this theme of next steps. And so what I want to do this morning is just take a little bit of time to unpackage that a little bit more, and in particular, I want to just hone in on this idea of serving, of servanthood. And I think for us as a church at C3 Noosa, next steps really is about, um, if you will, not just taking steps in your own life with Christ, but what are your next steps in church. For us, in this church, it's really about our discipleship pathway, or discipleship will, if you like. And so obviously on screen behind me, you can see that's... That's what it is for us in Cedar and New So, Ideally, what we want to see all our people do is come into church, connect with God, connect with others. Then we want to see them make a decision to start growing, and in growing, find where they fit in the life of our church in serving, and through that process, to be raised up as leaders in the house and really bring others into that place where they, too, can experience connection. Amen? And so really, the heartbeat of this church, then, In all that we do, and I know the heartbeat of our pastors, Christian and Melissa, is really based on that great commission that Jesus gives his disciples and he gives the body of Christ. And for some of it, you know it very well. And it's in Matthew 28 and verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Amen. And so the foundation of all that we do and all that we are in this church is really based on serving and living out that mandate, that we would not only walk in relationship with Jesus, loving him, but that we would look to bring others into relationship with him. Amen. And so for those of you that have ever sat in those seats and kind of wondered, what is this all about, really? What is this church about? What is our purpose? What are we doing to what should I be giving my time and attention and focus to? I want to tell you this morning, church, it is for this cause. It is for this mandate that we would see others brought into relationship with Christ, that we would see disciples raised in the house, and then we would take this message of hope out into a community and a place that is lost, and hurt, and broken, who needs the answers we have as a church. Amen. Amen. All right, so I think for us really to understand serving, we kind of got to jump a few steps back in the discipleship pathway and talk about connection for a minute. Because for most of us, coming into a relationship with Jesus was about connection. It was about coming into this place, and for the first time, you experienced something significant happening in your life where Jesus got on you, where you experienced a touch from heaven, where you encountered his, his spirit, and that experience was not something normal for you. It was something significant, something that you can't deny. It changed you. It stirred something inside of you. It touched your heart. Maybe it was in a moment of prayer or in worship or even on the altar of God, but the deal is that it's undeniable for you in your life. When you came into church, you experienced a connection with God that caused you to want to respond. But the deal is this, for every significant encounter, significant encounter that we experience with God, a significant decision then has to be made, what do I do with that encounter? How do I respond to God stepping out and touching me, amen? And so I think sometimes the danger is that we can downplay the significance of that decision. And so I want you to come with me to Matthew 13, we're going to kick off in verse 3, and I want to talk really quickly around this parable of the sower, so it says this, it says, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away.'" And some fell amongst thorns, some thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. You see, the deal is when you experience a significant encounter with God, God deposits something of who He is, His Spirit, in you. He He deposits spiritual seed inside of you, and I like to think of it almost as potential for greatness. Greatness. Each one of us, within us, lies the seeds of potential for greatness. What I mean by that is everything that God has created you and designed you to be lies within you. Every blessing, every victory, every opportunity to overcome, to advance the kingdom, to experience God, everything that God designed you to be, He's placed within you when you encounter Him in those moments. But here's the deal, as we've been speaking over the last couple of weeks, we have an enemy. Amen? His name is Satan. And his only agenda in your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's very opportunistic. And so the deal with this parable is it's telling us this. It says, the fate of that seed is determined by the environment in which it's sown into. And I want to say that again because you need to understand it this morning. The fate of that seed Whether or not it has a future, whether or not it's going to grow, whether or not it's going to produce fruit is determined by the condition of the environment that it's sown into. So if that environment is not conducive for nurturing or developing or supporting that seed, what the enemy will do is look almost immediately to step into your life and steal away the seed God's placed there. So we as a church want to encourage all our people not just to stop at the encounters they have with God but to step beyond them and make a decision to actually start growing. And so what really does growth look like for us as a church? Well, really, it's about taking those significant encounters that we have with God and building on them now a foundation and layers of godly habits. It now becomes about intentionally living a lifestyle of what I like to call exposure, constant exposure, designing a life that constantly exposes you to the light and presence of God. Amen? And I want you to think for me just for a moment about a tiny little sapling, a baby tree. You know, it's just been potted. It's only just been watered. It's very delicate. It's very small. It hasn't really had opportunity to take root in the soil. Now, if I go and take that little potted sapling, and I go and stick him in a cupboard, and I close the doors, and I leave him in the dark, who understands it's not going to take very long for that little sapling to die? And in that infancy stage, that process is pretty quick. But now if I make the decision to intentionally and purposely open the doors, take that sapling and put it outside where it now has exposure to the sun and exposure to light and exposure to warmth, something shifts. Something will change with that little sapling. All of a sudden it receives that light and it begins to grow. It begins to stretch out its leaves and its branches. It begins to develop and it begins to take root. Amen? Early continual exposure in your life to the presence of God will help to strengthen and develop you as you start this walk and this journey, amen? And so what does developing godly habits really look like for us? What are we layering on these experiences that we have with God? Well, for one, we spoke about it this morning, developing a a life that gets you in the Word of God, developing a good Bible reading plan, or even 15 minutes every day in the Word of God where you get to discover the promises that He has for you in His Word. It's about developing a heavenly language where we begin to reach out and connect with God in prayer. So we establish and we develop a prayer life daily. It may only be five minutes in the car. It may be 10 minutes before you go to work or at night before you put the kids to bed. Whatever it is, you're developing that habit of prayer in your life. It may then be about taking advantage of the different courses that we as a church offer you. As as you heard this morning, we've just finished CEC Christian Essentials course, we have our DNA course that really helps explain the culture of who we are as Christian City Church movement, taking advantage of these courses that are going to only help you and strengthen you in your walk. And then finally, it's about developing a mindset that says regardless of whether my life is up or down, whatever circumstances I'm facing, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. You are going to find me in the house of God, amongst fellow believers, worshipping God, getting the word on me, getting encouraged by others. What this is doing, all these things are redesigning your life for continual exposure to the presence of God. And as you get that, you will find yourself growing and developing. Amen? And so now we're journeying, right? And we're walking this walk out with God. And sooner or later, we're going to come to another significant decision that needs to be made. It's called the moment. Everybody say the moment. It's that moment, the Jordan River for all of us, if you will, that line in the sand where we now got to step over. We got to make a decision to cross over this line where we stop just calling this building a church, we stop calling this house our home, where we stop just standing on the sidelines cheering on the team, but we make a decision to step into the field and put the uniform on. What am I talking about, church? I'm talking about serving. I'm talking about coming out of the wilderness where we're just wandering as spectators, crossing a river into the promises of God for your life, and taking ownership of what God has for your life, amen? Serving. And so I think for a long time, serving's kind of become the dirty word, if you will, in church circles. You know, it's almost kind of that unspoken and healthy mindset that says, you know what, I'm quite happy to turn up to church, but don't ask me to do too much. You know, I'm quite happy to benefit from the service you're offering. But don't ask me to pick up the towels. And it's kind of like, well, church has responded, unfortunately, I think, to a large extent by kind of walking on eggshells around the step in the discipleship pathway. You know, we almost take this submissive kind of apologetic approach to asking of our people to do anything in the life of church. And it's kind of almost as if our pastors should be lucky or thankful or grateful if they have anyone that may possibly think about doing anything if it suits. Amen. And so what happens is serving ends up becoming the tag-on or the add-on to the church experience for a lot of us. And it's only sometimes done if it fits within the convenience of our little square that's called life. Is it okay if I get a little bit real with you this morning, church? All right. I want you to come with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, called to freedom. Only do not use this liberty or freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. When you encountered Christ, the Bible says this, it says, God called you out of darkness. God called you out of bondage. God called you out of a place where you were oppressed and bound, where you had no future. It says, God called you, and He said, I'm bringing you out of darkness, and I'm placing you into lights. You're no longer an orphan. I'm adopting you into my heavenly family. And so what happens is we go from being bound to receiving a freedom in Christ. And the beautiful thing about freedom is it opens your life to options. Amen. And all of a sudden gives you the power to choose. The power of choice is a beautiful thing. And often we take it for granted. But the Bible says that when someone is bound and oppressed and chained, they don't have a lot of options. They don't have a lot of movement. Someone that's financially bound before them don't have too many financial options before them. Someone that's bound to addiction abuse or substance abuse don't have a lot of options inside of them that they can see to get better. But God says, when those chains are broken, and I call you into freedom, all of a sudden you have choice, you have opportunity to choose, and this is what Paul's saying to the Galatians. He's saying, guys, you found Jesus. You've been brought out of darkness into freedom. All of a sudden, your eyes have been opened. Now you have a choice. You can do something with this freedom. Choose what is good. Choose what is right. Choose out of love to serve. Why? Because unfortunately, you and I still have a flesh that will default always in your life to the path of least resistance. No matter how special and amazing and warm and fuzzy that encounter with God is, Your flesh will always look to default to do what is easy, to do what is convenient, that doesn't oblige you to anything. And so all of a sudden, I've come into church. This is amazing. Everything's set up. Everything's working. I can experience the presence of God. People are so giving and loving and gracious. So now I can kind of just sit down, and I can put my feet up, and I can receive and receive and receive, and really, I can become the world's greatest Christian Consumer, Who understands this world is full of consumerism? We as beings are brilliant at consuming time, energy, emotion, resources. We just consume, consume, consume. Church, it's no no different with people in the house of God. We become consumers looking to benefit from a product that church offers. And when we're done, we say, thank you very much. I'm on my way. Now, is this all right, church? Is this all right? All right, come on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sometimes maybe it's not even that. You know, sometimes maybe it's, you don't, Justin, you don't understand what I've come out from or had to walk away from. Or I've been serving for years and I got done over. No one appreciated me. No one loved me. I got burned. And so this is my time. The church owes this to me. Now is the season where I can come and receive... And I don't need to do anything anymore because I've earned up the brownie points. I've racked up the brownie points with God, and I'm done. This is my time. Now, I want you to understand something, church. Hear my heart. Church is a place where we can all come into seasons where God needs to restore in us things, where He needs to rebuild in us, where dreams need to be put back together. There are seasons for us to come and rest and let God begin to rebuild in our lives. But church, my point this morning is that is not the be-all and end-all to the Christian lifestyle. There is a higher purpose and a higher calling on your life. There is a higher purpose. It doesn't stop with warming seats on a Sunday. God has called you to more than that. Amen. Amen. Now let me ask you, in that scripture we just read in Galatians, "To love serve one another. Who are the one another? Who are they? Church, this morning I want to tell you, it's the church. It's you and I. It's our brothers and sisters in Christ. Each one of us has been called by God. To serve out of love with what he has given to us in those moments of encounter, that we would build up and edify the church in one another. Amen. So, what is your part? What is your part this morning? One Peter four ten, as each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers. Let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in those moments of encounter, God doesn't just impart to you who he is, part of who he is, but he gives to you a gift. He gives to you a gift that he expects you would steward faithfully in his house, Why? So that through using the gifts he's given you, he would be glorified. His name would be praised. What purpose does that achieve? It builds up and it edifies and it encourages the body of Christ, amen? Each one of us has a gift. I don't care how long you've been in church or how new you are or what you've been through or whether or not you find yourself on this side of the pulpit or that side of the pulpit. Each one of us has a gift. God has endowed on us that he wants us to use. The Bible calls it a talent. Each one of you has been spiritually and supernaturally talented to invest something into the house of God. And there is an anointing and there is a power on the gift you have to change lives. There is a power that would come on your gift when you use it in agreement with the purpose God has given it to you for in this church that is gonna see fruit birth, not only in your life, but in the lives of everyone that you come in contact to. So I wanna put that in context. You might have the gift of exhortation or encouragement and you might know there's a mom in church that's at the end of her tether who's got kids that are out of control and she's tired and she's just can barely get herself to church never mind her kids and you come alongside this mom you say you know what it's okay I see what you do day in day out you are a phenomenal mother what you sacrifice for your kids is amazing I don't know too many other people that would do that your kids have a future and a hope because you are so faithful, you give so much of your time, you are strong, you are courageous that you would get up every day and sacrifice for these kids, you begin to use the gift God's given you. You might know a leader that's just crumbling under the weight of leadership, and he's tired, and he's feeling a bit disillusioned, and you can come alongside them and say, you know what, pastor? Thank you for that word. I want to encourage you. You're inspiring your church. We want to to follow after you because we see the lifestyle you live, and it encourages me. Don't give up. Keep walking the walk of faith. God's on your life. Thank you for investing and leading others. You might come alongside the youth in this church and there are people that are struggling with low self-esteem and low self-identity and don't know what they should be doing and say, you know what? Don't despair. You are significantly created by God and there is a purpose on your life. You are significant. You have something to contribute to this world. You're amazing. God has a future and a hope for you. Church, what you're doing is you're using the gift God has given you in the house. And as you do that, there is an anointing and there is a power that God releases through you that impacts people. And what happens is we start to draw those that are discouraged back to Christ. You encourage them and you bring them back to the Father. And what happens is all of a sudden chains start breaking off their life. That mother picks herself up again. That youth starts coming back to church. That pastor gets some fire on the inside of him. Fruit is birthed, all because you made a decision to use what God has given you. Amen? Come on, why don't we give God praise this morning? He's awesome. Awesome. Some of you may be thinking, Justin, that's great, but I have no idea what that gift is. I'm not sure that I have one. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. I want to say that's okay because we as a church have resources and our leaders can help point you in the right direction and encourage you and please come and see us after service and we can start you on the right track with that sort of thing. But what I want to do for you this morning is actually answer that age old question we've all wanted to know, what is the meaning of life? And the good news is you don't have to take a year's sabbatical and go and climb the Himalayas to find the wrinkly old man in the cave with a long beard in a white nappy who's going to answer that question for you. I'm going to give it to you right now. Are you ready, church? You're strapped into your seat because here comes the actual answer to that question. You ready? You and I, here we go. Brace yourselves. It's going to be the best thing you hear all year. You and I have been created by God and placed on this earth so that He could love us and that through us, He would be glorified as we use the gift He has given us in serving others to fulfill the great commission of raising disciples and seeing those that are lost come to Christ. That those that are lost who come to Christ, that through their lives, God would be glorified as they use the gifts He's given them in serving the Great Commission to see disciples raised in the house and those that are lost come to Christ. That they, through their lives, would glorify God as they use the gifts God has given them to serve the ultimate mandate, see disciples raised and those that are lost come to Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Your bum has not been designed to warm seats in church. Your bum has been designed to kind of pucker up, stand up, and walk forward in the gifting God has called you to. Amen. Come on. Come on. All right. After all those shenanigans, I want you to come with me to Ephesians six. Here from verse five, it says this: "It bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters.'" According to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart. Everyone say heart. Heart. All right. As to Christ, not with eye service, as man pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Everyone say heart. heart. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So the deal is that serving is a heart issue. Serving is a heart deal. It is out of a heart that is on fire for God, that is spiritually strong, that we find the motivation to serve. Not out of a head, because often your head is reluctantly not willing. Amen? And it's really important that you understand that, that serving is motivated by the heart and not your feelings. And for some of us, what that means is we got to remember why we're here. we got to remember how we got here. For some of us, we got to remember why we made that decision to step over that line. Step across the river and begin to serving. For some of us, we need to go back and remember that encounter, that connection we had with God that saw us brought out of darkness and into light. Some of us need to just take a moment to remember the decisions we made in our lives to keep growing. Remember we said that growth is a process of continual exposure to God in His Word, in prayer, in worship, around fellow believers, And as we're doing that, what is happening is you are spiritually growing and strengthening and enlarging your heart. And the deal is this, when your heart is spiritually strong and strengthened and enlarged, by default, its natural expression is to say, how can I serve? A heart that is spiritually enlarged and strong says, how can I help in the house of God? And so you've got to understand that it's growing and serving that work together as a spiritual partnership in your life that will keep you going. That will keep you enduring. As the Apostle Paul says, we've all been given a race to run. And there's a prize at the end. And if you want to get to the end and finish strong and lay hold of that prize, I want you to remember growing and serving. They go together. Amen. And sometimes in the journey of discipleship, we, we, we isolate those steps in the process. And so we made a decision. You know what? I'm going to call this house my home. And so I'm stepping over the line and something's being entrusted into me. And it becomes my world. And it becomes my focus. And now I'm just driven by this, and I'm planning things, and I've got rosters to do, and I'm kind of serving, and I'm owning something, and I've got accountability. And it becomes your world. But what happens is we tend to turn our back on all those things that were helping us grow. All of a sudden now we close the door on growing because now we're serving, so surely I'm done with growing. It's not the case, church. Because the minute we consume ourselves in service, all of a sudden the Bible reading plan doesn't happen so much anymore. Maybe it's every second day or third day, or all of a sudden we're not speaking to God like we used to. Or God forbid, all of a sudden church attendance becomes based not on our heart, but on our serving roster. I'll just let that sink for a little little moment there. You know what, I've been serving, I've been working hard, man, I've got a big job outside of church, and I'm carrying a lot of responsibility, and pastors, Christian, Melissa, have given me accountability for an area in church life, and woo, I've got two Sundays off the serving roster. So maybe I'm just going to lie low for a moment. Surely no one's going to care. I mean, it's two Sundays, right? But remember what I said, serving is the natural default expression of a heart that is spiritually strong and enlarged and is continually growing. And so if we close the door on growth, what happens is the capacity we carry begins to shrivel. All of a sudden, we're not as strong in the heart as we used to be. And what happens is it stops being about a heart motivation, and it becomes about a head motivation. And when it's just about the head, it becomes about obligation. And if all we ever feel is obligated, we put ourselves on the path to burnout. Amen? And what happens is we stop serving in a home that is ours, we start ticking off a chore list on the fridge in somebody's house. Amen? And a really good discipline for us to develop in our lives as we journey this is to give ourselves the authority to remove the power you give your feelings to determine your future. Amen? I want to say that again a really good discipline for you to develop in your life is to give yourself the authority to remove the power that you keep giving your feelings to determine your future, amen? Because who here can honestly understand that your your feelings are not always good indicators of what is truth and what is right? Often they will deceive you and they will disappoint you and they will let you down. Now, I don't necessarily always feel like brushing my teeth every day. Quite frankly, it's a pain in the butt takes a segment of my day, I just feel like I'm wasting in the bathroom, but if I let my feelings determine my future, who understands pretty surely I'll just have a gummy smile and I'll lose all my teeth. Now, brace yourselves because this is going to shock you, but I don't always wake up every morning feeling like Mary Poppins singing my way to work. Some days I don't want to go to work. I don't feel like going into the office, but if I let my feelings determine my future, who understands the reality is, soon I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. I'm not going to be able to put food on the table. I'm not going to be able to pay bills. Who of your parents have fought the fight of death with your kids, trying to get them to eat vegetables because they don't feel like it, but you know it's going to benefit them? And lastly, who's grateful that your heart doesn't have feelings, that one day it wakes up and goes, you know what? I am tired of pumping blood around your body. (laughs) Kidney. Let's go catch a movie. We're out of here. See you later. Bye. Who knows if the day should ever come? You and I are in a whole lot of strife. Amen? Come on. Your feelings should never get to have a louder voice in your world than God does. Amen? Your feelings should never be allowed to lead you, but should only ever be allowed to follow you as you follow Christ. I want to say that again. Your feelings should never be allowed to lead your life. They should only ever be allowed to follow your life as you make a decision to follow Christ. So I want to encourage you, church, this morning, feed your heart. Feed your heart so that in times where you have more uphills than downhills, you remember why you do what you do. Amen? I want you to consider really quickly, I might get the band up if we can, guys, as we come to a close. If the heart is so important, what is it that serving is really bringing to the table? How is serving helping me? Well, remember we spoke about that place of growing that in those moments where we we begin in growing to take root in God, in the word, in prayer, in worship, all those good things, but it's not until we cross over, when we make that transition from just growing to now saying, I'm going to own something, I'm going to choose to serve, that we allow those roots to actually go deep, to really go deep. You see, the great thing is that growing will develop you in your life, but serving will establish you. Serving will stabilize you. And I want you to go back for a minute to that little picture of that sapling. He's now out in the sun, and he's growing, and he's enjoying life, but he's still small. His roots haven't really fully developed, so it's not going to take much of a push or a pull or an upset or an offense to knock it over. It's easily uprooted. Its ability to anchor and withstand forces that come against it is not very big. But the beautiful thing, church, about serving is that it will anchor you in the house of God. It would allow your roots to go deep, that no matter what the enemy would throw against you, you're not moved. You're not displaced. Serving will anchor your heart to the heart of your pastors. Serving will anchor your heart to the house of God and God's heart for His people. Amen? You know, we can all think of people that just seem to intentionally breeze through church, to church, to church, to church. They never find a home. And no matter how good God is in their world, they almost seem to default to the negative, default to what's lacking, to how disappointed they are, always skeptical, always cynical about life. I want to tell you that most times those people have the ones that have never allowed their roots to really go deep in the soil. And so every time an offense comes, every time disappointment comes, every time someone doesn't meet expectation, they're knocked over. They're blown her over to the next place, and then the next place, and the next place. But I want to encourage you, church, don't stay a sapling your whole life. Become a tree. Let your roots go down. Let yourself be strengthened. Start calling this building your home. Put on the jumper. Put on the uniform. Become part of the team. Amen? There's a beautiful psalm, 1, verse 2. It says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That is a beautiful picture of a servant. That is a beautiful picture of servanthood that you would be like a tree planted. When you're planted and you allow your roots to go down, what happens is they access that living water of God. You begin to draw on the nutrients of God, the power of God, the strength of God. And this word is telling us that Whatever you do, whatever you put your heart into, whatever you put your hands to, God is going to prosper it because now you're a tree, now you're serving, now you own something. You're going to be able to endure in all seasons. It says your leaf shall not wither, but God is going to guide you and strengthen you as you put down your roots. Amen. In your life, you will find fruit coming. And so I want to finish on this. When you wake up in the morning and you kind of drag yourself out of bed, and you got the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you look at that serving roster and you cringe a little bit, I want you to remember Psalm 122. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so you got to start saying, Jesus, despite what my feelings are telling me, I'm telling my feelings that I'm getting up this morning and I'm following Jesus, and you're going to start speaking to that person in the mirror looking at you and say, hey, you, get happy. Get glad. Because I'm getting up and I'm following Jesus. I'm not staying here. When anyone comes and asks where I've gone, say, you'll find me in the house of God. And I'm not just in the house of God, but you're going to find me serving because this is my house. This is my home. I know a God that's brought me out of darkness and in the light and He's redeemed my life. So I will serve Him with all that I am. Feelings, you better shut up or get up and follow me because I'm following Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand up, church? Come on, let's give God praise. Thank you, Lord. You know, I just sensed my heart as I was preparing this message this morning, church, that for some of us, if we're just honest for a moment, go, you know what, I've forgotten what that connection was all about. I've forgotten about that connection, I've forgotten what it was that God's kind of done for my life, how He's taken me out of darkness and brought me into light, and I just feel like that little sapling locked up in the cupboard in the dark. I don't feel like I have purpose, I don't feel that I have direction, I don't even think God can use me. But I want to tell you this morning, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has given you a gift and a talent that if you would just steward it faithfully in the house, I'm telling you, He will change your life. He will change your life and He will change the lives of those around you. You are meant to be a light in this world, a place of hope for those that have no hope, a source of joy for those that have no joy. There is a purpose and a plan for your life. But some of you feel like you've just missed it. The enemy's coming and he's stolen seed from your life. That which God has intended for good, you feel like it's, it's all gone, to, it's gone into a burning pile of flames. Today is the day we can turn it around. Today's the day that I want to introduce you to a God of hope, a God of the second chance, a God who has called you and knows you by name. And so I want to ask this morning, if you would take courage, if you would be bold, and if that's you and you just feel in your heart that you've lost connection, you've lost purpose, you're coming, but it's, you're going through the motions, it's the right thing to do, but I'm not sure what to do. If that's you this morning, I want you to be brave, I want you to say, Justin, that's me, I, I want to just invite you to come and stand with me this morning on the altar, and I want to pray with you. And I want to encourage you this morning. If that's you, why don't you just respond in this moment. We just want to stay in worship, and I want to encourage you to come down on the altar and say, Justin, would you just pray with me that I'd reconnect, I'd find that purpose. Pray with me that I'd know what it is God is calling me to this morning. Maybe you don't even know God. Maybe for you this is all foreign, and you're thinking, I'm not sure who that person is. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you that you would know him and find him And invite him into your life and into your heart, if that is you this morning. I just want to take a moment. Please come down and I want to pray with you. We're going to open up this altar. Just have a time where we can stand with you and agree with you. If that's you this morning and you need prayer, I want to encourage you to come up the front. Let us pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you this morning for your grace, your mercy. God, that you love us, that you've called us for a specific time. It's just a plan and a purpose. Father, I thank you right now that you're speaking in our hearts this morning. Lord, and I thank you that seed has been deposited, that's going to bear fruit. Lord, bless this church. Bless our members Lord, I thank you that we would go forward. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.